That is us, the Delilahs of History. Welcome to the Beat Your Heroes podcast. My name is Elliot. And I'm Audrey. And this is the show where we ignore the well-measured, respected advice of the conventional establishment wisdom. It's a lot of words, yeah. And get to know who our heroes really are. We do that to varying degrees of success and accuracy. Yeah, I was going to say success and fidelity to the actual history. (laughs) If nothing else, we say things that sound plausible. It's probably more true than most history textbooks. I think you're probably right. At least more human. We're telling... Stop stop being polite and start getting real. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They should have a show about that. They should. That would be a great show. Um, All right. Well, let's get into this one. Yes. So this week, Audrey, who's our hero? So I'm going to give you a list of words describing the hero that I'm featuring this week. And I want you to try and guess who this person is. Okay. All right. Teacher. Mm -hmm. Inventor. Okay. Thief. Ooh. Eugenicist. Mm. White supremacist. Mm. Anti-immigration crusader. Any guesses? Um, honestly, a lot of people fit the bill except for inventor. Mm. Right. One person fits this bill very well, and that is Alexander Graham Bell. Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone. The quote-unquote inventor of the telephone. Mm, okay. Got some things to talk about. He lived a life. Let's talk about him. Sure. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know about you, but apart from the telephone thing, I didn't know much about uh, Bell before I did this research. Do you know anything other than, Watson, come in here? Um, okay, so I've heard, so I happen to be a fan of the Marvelous Miss Maisel. Mm. Yeah, there we go. Amazon Prime, call us up for some sponsorship opportunities. <laughs> I would gladly talk up that show. But uh, her dad works in Bell Labs. It's true. So I think because of the telephone, set up some labs to invent other stuff. Indeed. Indeed. That's, that we're really quickly approaching the limits of my Alexander Graham Bell knowledge. Great. Well, let's start at the beginning. Uh, he was born March 3rd in 1847 in Scotland. Okay, so 1847 puts us right before the Civil War, but in Scotland. Mm-hmm. In Scotland. He was the son of a professor and uh, phonistician. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, a phone uh, doctor. Right. <laughs> phone doctor. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, actually, a linguist who specializes in phonetics, which is the study of the physical properties of speech. I was going to say that if his dad was a phone doctor, that explained so much about his later career. There's a lot about his young life that explains so much. Okay. Just, it's just a lot about his young life. Okay. His dad's a speech, speech studying scientist. Mm -hmm. Okay. He uh, has a couple brothers. I think he has a sister. I wrote down that he has a sister, but I don't remember reading any more about this sister. So that is a may or may not. Like most of what we say. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So apparently he was a very curious child. He liked botany. Um, as young children in the 1800s are wont to do. What else are you going to do, right? Right. Yeah, grow some plants. He also liked to tinker. He was into mechanics, which 
you know, makes sense. And uh, for some reason, which is absolutely unsurprising to me, but still creepy as fuck, he was a ventriloquist. Oh, a ventriloquist. <laughs> See, this starts to make some sense. If you talk about a young boy's dream of learning to throw his voice, where does that take you on that path? The telephone. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So uh, as a young child, his mother started to go deaf. And it really explains his sort of obsession with speech as he grows up. Um, he And I learned this by watching the TV show on PBS Kids, Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. He invented this language with his, his mom that he called um, a finger language, where he would sit next to her and like tap out letters onto her hand so she could keep up with the conversation happening at the dinner table or in the parlor. So he's like invented Morse code, but for tapping to keep his deaf mom up to speed. Yes. Yes. So she is not born deaf. He, uh, she is not deaf when he is born, but gradually over his childhood, she loses uh, her hearing. Uh, lots of folks go on to like hypothesize or theorize that it is this event that leads to this preoccupation, this, you know, obsession with sound and um, deafness as he grows older. Uh, he had limited formal training uh, growing up. His father was his teacher, so he was homeschooled, spent a lot of time with his brothers. Limited formal training seems to be uh, kind of a theme for some of our heroes. And also for most of the people, uh, does not tend to reduce their confidence and their abilities. It does not. He's apparently a very bright child, but... Uh, this should come as no surprise. When he does enroll in formal schooling, he uh, pretty quickly drops out. His mm. grades were noted as being lackluster, and uh, he was constantly absent. He just never went to school. So after a year, he dropped out. And his parents were like, cool, you don't have to stay there, but you can't come home. So they sent him to live with his grandfather, who was also a professor of oration. Just a lot of speech and sound in his family both granddad and him and father and father are mm -hmm. studying speech or sound or something yes and mom's deaf yes so he apparently learns like gets this bug this like deep bug for learning while he's with his grandfather which he did not have in school obviously he did not have in school he did not have at home but he gets all this one-on-one -on -one attention his grandfather has this like expansive library he's reading all these books he's very curious um his grandfather expects a lot of him so there's a lot more discipline uh so he spends a year there and decides he wants to go back to school wants to you know go to high school go to college he somehow like hustles him, <laughs> hustles his position of uh, what's called a pupil teacher of elocution and music. So he had learned to play the piano when he was younger. He re-enrolled himself in this school to study Latin and Greek in exchange for teaching other kids at the school elocution, so speaking, and music. Um, and they gave him room and board and 10 pounds per session, which in today's money is probably... A million dollars. Million dollars. Million dollars a quarter, right? Hold us to that number. <laughs> Inflation is wild. Probably more than $10, but he's making some money. He's mm -hmm. got his shit together. Mm -hmm. He's like back on back on the path to being yep. somebody who's somebody. Yep. Um, he goes to college. Um, 
while he's at college, he talks to this professor who gives him this book that gets him interested in a whole bunch of stuff around elocution, oration. And he then goes to a show where he sees um, this, like, mannequin that this Uh performer has created. This, like, mannequin that uh, has, like, automated speech. And he goes home and he's like, yo, dad, listen, I saw this thing. And his dad said, I will pay you and your brother to recreate this. Dad, I saw this. I saw, yeah. I'm in love. Yeah, I'm in love with this room. Um, it's that, a little wait. unconventional. You, yeah, so his dad is like, okay, cool. That is a great idea. Very interesting. You're it. into mechanics. Well, he he came back to his dad and he was like, I saw this thing. What mm-hmm. did he see? It just it was it was like um a replica of a human head uh-huh. that had moving parts uh-huh. and spoke. Do we have a picture of this thing? We don't. Oh we don't. It's God. like 1840s. There's not, not like pictures. Well, I guess at this point it's like. 1860s. Nobody conveniently whipped out their notepad and pencil to sketch this at the time. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, he'll do you one better. He's going to make his own. Oh, yes. So okay. uh, in 1863, Bell and his brother recreate this uh, mannequin head. And so when the lips were manipulated a certain way and they pushed or like forced air through the throat, it would say... Mama. Oh my God! <laughs> this is okay. So wait, very horrifying on so many levels. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So, hold on. Wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, moving too fast for you. Yeah. Yeah. We just speak on speaking real quick here. <laughs> we, this 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 guy who like dropped out was like finding his like groove around mm-hmm. like strange speech. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah, you know what I really need? I need a robot lips that are connected to an actual robot throat mm-hmm. that can actually whisper. Mama to me. You know what would be even better? If he could take that same enthusiasm and get his dog to talk. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Honest to God, that's, that is more reassuring. I thought we were going to go like, what if we could make a whole body that realistic? No, I thought no, it was going to no. take a weird, real weird turn <laughs> that he was just going to like have a creepy mannequin that could Mm-mm. talk to him sitting in his sitting in his upstairs attic and like dressed it and like mm-hmm. called it names. So honestly, you tell me he wants to make his dog talk. I'm like, much better. I great, think the mannequin great, is better. a two person situation because somebody has to force air through it and the Wait, other person what? has to manipulate. This, the it's not lips. like a robot. It's not like you just like flip it on. No. What do you? But wait, does that mean somebody's grabbing the mannequin lips with their fingers? And, like, I don't know sh- how this works. Well, I, need more detail. <laughs> okay. I can tell you how he does it with his dog, though. There's a lot more details <laughs> about that. So basically, he taught his here, dog please. to growl continuously. And then he would reach into its mouth and manipulate its lips and vocal cords to produce what they call a crude sounding, quote unquote, ow, ah, ooga, mama. With, which a little convincing, visitors believed the dog was saying, how are you, Grandma? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm loving this. How who come up? So. God, this mm-hmm. dude is fucking weird. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, so, like, but what, like, this is, is this in the name of science? Is this just like a fun party? Like, what, how do you, if you're like, yeah, I want to know how human speech works. You know what I'm going to do? This Get my is dog to talk. far outside of my expertise of the human psyche. <laughs> I have no expertise. Idea why he would do this, apart from the fact that he was pretty lonely. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, if there's one of two contributions that this man could have ultimately made to society, one, uh, potentially inventing the telephone, I guess we're going to get to that, and the mm-hmm. other was potentially teaching dogs to talk, mm-hmm. I don't know that he made the right choice here. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, right, man. Uh, okay, so he's being super weird with his dog. He moves back home from college. He's like done with the mannequins, whatever. He, um, he's like 20 at this point. They immigrate to Canada. Remember, he is an immigrant. Okay. But, uh, now it's 1872. He's, uh, Alexander Graham Bell is actually now working as a associate professor at Boston University. And then he becomes obsessed with experimentation. He's teaching all day and just experimenting all night. All he wants to do is experiment. Um, and then one day he gets a student named Mabel and her dad is just loaded. And he tells, uh, Alexander, listen, if you give Mabel one-on-one lessons and help her, you can stay in our little guest house and I'll build you an experiment lab. And obviously he's like, his response is like, done. Uga mama. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. right. Yes. He's like, <laughs> how you doing that. grandma? Yes. Um, he moves in. Great. He takes him up, quits his job. Oh, only going to experiment. that good of a gig where he's like, I'm mm-hmm. going to quit this tea. Okay. Yep. More he spends time. a lot of time with 15 year old Mabel, who is 10 years younger than him. Okay. He definitely falls in love with her. Uh, again, she's 15. Yep. Um, and he's her teacher. Yep. This girl he's in love with and eventually marries. We're not going to talk too much more about her, so spoiler, they get married. Um, is similarly deaf like his mother. So now he Ooh, has that's... a deaf mother and a deaf wife. Okay. And that's really important to the story later on. Okay. Um, all right. So it's 1874. And the child bride is not even his biggest scandal. That same year, there is this other inventor. Uh, he's an Italian man named Antonio Meucci. Meucci? Meucci. M-E-U-C-C-I. Meucci. Sure. Never heard of him. So three years earlier, in 1871... Meucci had set up this form of voice communication uh, in his home in New York that connected his second floor bedroom to his laboratory in the backyard because his wife was tired of going out <laughs> to tell him to come into dinner. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. That same time, he submitted a patent caveat for this telephonic device. Uh, a patent cave- caveat at the time, basically, um, unless you had a working model of your design with a patent, you couldn't get a full patent. So, oh, so you could, you had, if you just sent in like papers and drawings mm-hmm. and everything, that didn't count. It didn't count. They said, okay, cool. So we have your idea, but before we'll grant your patent, you have to prove that it works. Like make us one and send All it. All around the same time. How, how does that work? If you're like, I invented this brand new horse bath, like you had to bring them a horse bath? Yeah. So, it's at the same time that the con- that Congress is like, this is an untenable system. <laughs> I was about to say, like, we have 15 horse sitting in the closet here. Yes. And they basically were like, patents are taking like years to get uh, processed. It's like, oh, yeah, you have a brand new, you know, pig scrubber. Yeah, just get in line behind the horse bath and then we'll get to right, you when we get right. to you. And then that created a whole lot of legal challenges. So uh, around that time, Congress was like, you don't. Please don't. We don't. <laughs> yes, we don't stop, need to see stop, your please. train, right? <laughs> like, leave it at home. Um, 
Anyway, so that's 1871. Three years pass. He's sending his telephone with technical details to the Western Union Telegraph Company. He is trying to get a meeting with these executives. He wants to pitch his idea. They never, ever get back to him. Wait, so this dude is sending a telef- like a telephone mm-hmm. to Western Union? Plus like, hey, technical designs. Hey, you're in the telegraph business. I got this. The, I got mm-hmm. the hot new thing. Just take a look. And mm-hmm. they, they don't write him back. Yes. Sends it to them. They pass. He asks for his materials back when he doesn't hear from them. They conveniently lost them. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a big wink on that conveniently. So around the same time, Bell is talking with his soon-to-be father-in-law, this wealthy financier, and he says, like, hey, I heard that Thomas Edison and this man named Elijah Gray are working on these experiments for Western Union. They have been commissioned to experiment with voices. Ooh. Right? Um, and he he says, um, I bet if I could come up with that first, Western Union would buy it from us. So if you want to invest in me creating this, I know enough. I'm an inventor. If there's anything I know, it's vocal sounds and tinkering. You should see my dog talk. (laughs) You should see my dog talk, right? Western Union should pay him for that. Um, So they invest in him. They're like, let's make this happen. Um, Conveniently, Alexander Graham Bell at this point, who had not yet created the telephone, uh begins to share laboratory with Antonio Meucci. Ooh. They just, like, happened mm-hmm. upon each other. Happened upon each other. It's 1876. Bell's been spending some time with Meucci. Bell goes and signs a deal with Western Union and files a patent and is credited as the inventor of the telephone. Wait, like, five years after Meucci sent it to Western Union the first time? Not two years after he sent it to Western Union, but five years after he filed the patent caveat. Oh, that's right. So he filed he, the patent mm-hmm. five years, a few years later to get Western Union. After yeah. that, that's when Graham Bell meets him. After all that, mm-hmm. and then Graham Bell goes to Western Union and gets this done. Yes. Oh. And so the reason Meucci was not able to move further on the patent is because he did not have the extra $10. So it was Son of a gun. It's a $10 missed opportunity. And so this is, like, where the scandal of his career is, like, mostly well-known. Um, there's you jack this from somebody else. <clears throat> you can't even call it, like, first movers. What's that phrase? First movers advantage. First movers advantage. He didn't even have first movers advantage. No. He just had a $10 advantage. Yes. Right? Yeah, $10 advantage. <laughs> also a good advantage to have, honestly. Yep. And so um, he he obviously was also not the only one working on telephone technology. He wasn't even the first one to submit a patent on it. We know Meucci did it, but on the very same day that Bell submitted his patent that was accepted, very conveniently, within hours of each other, Elijah Gray submitted a patent caveat, uh, followed very shortly by Graham Bell's lawyer submitting an actual patent application. Ooh, so wasn't even the first paper that day, but mm-hmm. it was a, a it was a full patent versus this like just mm-hmm. the drawing caveat. One. Yep. And so Bell was issued the patent, and Gray challenged it in court. A lot of shit went down. So basically, when the patent examiner, um, or when they investigated this patent examiner, who was a man named Zenus, if you watch the drunk history on this, you can remember it because it rhymes with penis. Oh, yeah. Zenus Wilbur. um, They investigate him. He signs an affidavit admitting that he, Zenus, told Bell's lawyer 
about the caveat from Gray, who had filed a few hours earlier. Uh. Um, but he told his superiors at the patent office that Bell's patent had arrived first. Wait, so literally all the lawyer came... $10 and a drunk. Did the payoff to the drunk. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just, like, rigged history. Yes. In that same uh, affidavit from the patent lawyer earlier, he noted that on Bell's visit to Washington, Professor Bell spent about an hour with him, which is when I showed him the drawing of Gray's caveat and explained Gray's methods to him. He says Bell came back at 2 p.m. that day to give him a $100 bill. Wait, so he didn't even... Have have the working thing yet until mm-hmm. he got back to his labs a couple mm-hmm. days later. Mm-hmm. Man, it is not about what you know. It's about who you, you know as an alcoholic to pay <laughs> off so that yes. they will put your shit up at first. Yes. And then the history books will have your name. Mm-hmm. Man. I- so this is a confusing timeline. I'll recap it real quick. Gray submits his patent. Um, Bell hears that Gray submitted a patent. Bell's lawyer goes and quote unquote submits a patent. Bell immediately hops on a train, goes to Washington. Gets to see it. Gets to see it, does the actual paperwork. At this point, Bell has already been granted a patent that is, like, totally falsified. He goes back. He recreates this telephone. March 10th, Watson, will you come here? Goes to Western Union. is like, I did it. I am a celebrity. I'm a genius. And I've got a patent for it. And I've got a patent. And check out my newly formed Bell Telephone Company. Mm. Would you like to partner with me, Western Union? I'm the hot shit. You have telegraph lines. I have a telephone. We've got these companies. I'm a billionaire. Like, legitimately, by the time he dies, he is a billionaire. What? Um, lots of scandals and lawsuits and courts happen. He's raking in the money. It's a real Zuckerberg move right there. It's a real Zuckerberg move. Um, there is some justice, however, just at least in terms of what little justice we can hope for. Uh, In 2002, the U.S. Congress recognized Meucci as the official inventor of the telephone, and they noted that it was his inability to pay the $10 patent fee that resulted in Bell getting the credit 16 years later. So Gray doesn't get a ton of justice. He dies fighting this in court. Like, sucks. Winklevoss twins of his day. Yeah, and that's not even the worst part of Alexander Graham Bell's life. So now we're going to get to the part that has no justice. Okay, okay, so so Mm -hmm. he, he... Yes, we know he's a fraud at this point. He's a pedophile. He's a thief. But did you know that he was also super into animal breeding? So much so that he thought animal breeding held the secret to creating a superior human race. That took a turn. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He became uh, one of the earliest supporters of eugenics. At this point, he's in the United States. Oh, shit. Wait, can I just say this casts? Him trying to get his dog to talk in a whole new, much more mm-hmm. dark, much more dark storyline. I feel like uh, he's it's dark and gets darker. Oh, God. It's not just he's trying to breed a race of super dogs. He's not. Oh, no. He's not. Um, yeah. So it's uh, right after the Civil War in the United States. Mm-hmm. Eugenics is booming. Um, he's really into it, especially as it pertains to deaf families. So he believes that no two deaf people should have children. Wait, okay, so his wife was deaf and he's going on this tirade mm-hmm. that, like, deaf people are genetically inferior? Mm-hmm. Dog, I feel like he's got some things to unpack there. Yeah, so it gets worse. No, what? In 1921, so we're talking now he's in his 70s, 
He attended a conference called the Second International Congress of Eugenics, which was a pseudoscientific movement predicated on white supremacy. Organizations that were a part of this Congress that he led advocated for passing laws with, with much success in many states that established the compulsory sterilization of people to be, as Bell called them, quote, a defective variety of the human race. And by the late 1930s, about half the states in the United States had eugenics laws, and California's compulsory sterilization law was used as a model for that in Nazi Germany. Which feels pretty fucking bad. And that's a part of Bell's life that is pretty universally left out. Yeah, why? Because it's... Mm -hmm. Why would we settle on the, oh, Ben the telephone guy, as opposed to the... Oh, stole the telephone invention from some other people, bribed the alcoholic at the desk to, like, fake his paperwork, then when he made his billions, went on to try to eradicate people of, quote-unquote, inferior genes so that he could, you know, breed a pure human race and ultimately got his ideas adopted by the Nazis. Like, that seems like mm-hmm. a better line. That's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. A It's a like, pic- cool story on the telephone, dude. Yeah, like, two right? other guys already did it. Yes. Right? It's not even that interesting at this What point. are you trying to prove? Right? You have to imagine that a man, a young ventriloquist, (laughs) botanist, uh, dog puppet, pedophile, uh, (laughs) thief. He's not really a hero. He's not a hero. Where can folks find us online? You can find us on Twitter. And Instagram. At Your Heroes Pod. Uh Uh-huh. Unfortunately, only one of those currently owned by a megalomaniac billionaire who stole his invention from other people. But mm-hmm. yeah. what choice do you really have in this right. age? It, it's, we live in a, in a uh, visual culture. Exactly. This is a currency of our people. Yes. Memes. Or you can see us on the internet. HTTPS colon double forward slash www.hheroespod. You can leave that first part out. You can just jump, just get into it. <laughs> get into it with the podcast. Meetyourheroespodcast.com. Yeah, while you're there, download the latest episode. Send us a telegram. Or a message <laughs> on yes. the website. Come straight to us. Let us know if you have thoughts, feedback, or there are heroes you would like for us to talk about soon. If you if you loved it, let us know. Send us a note. Please leave a review on iTunes. That helps out here. And mm-hmm. if you hated it, keep that shit to yourself. Yeah, shut the <laughs> fuck up. We don't care. We're not trying to be heroes, and you shouldn't either. Yes, yeah, till next time. Don't be a hero. Do not be a hero.